Hey, what up? It's Mark Carter. I'm the pastor of Fierce Church. Welcome to our podcast. I'm so pumped that you're able to join us today. I hope this encourages you, inspires you, strengthens you, gives you hope to keep pressing on. And it's my prayer that this sermon gives you a more expansive view of God's love for you. Enjoy the message. So today, I want to talk to you about the fact that the fastest way to kill something special is to compare it to something else. The fastest way to kill something special is to compare it to somebody else. This might be a little bit TMI, but when I was a, you know, a young man in high school and that kind of thing, I would compare myself to my three brothers all the time. Okay, maybe this one was a little smarter. This one was a little more athletic. Um, this one had a little bit more charisma. And it, what it really kept me from, it was kind of sad. It kept me from enjoying who God made me to be. I always kind of felt down about myself. I always felt bad that I wasn't like this or wasn't like that. And then I would have other friends that I would compare myself to and, and never felt like quite enough. And I learned the lesson then, but I've been learning it ever since, that when I focus on what other people are and I feel bad about what I'm not, I miss who I'm supposed to be. I miss the special things that God put inside of me that he wants to use. And I wanna submit to you that you're the same way. When we get our eyes off of what's fantastic about how God made us and we just get our eyes onto everybody else, we really miss God's best for us. See, comparison is the death of contentment. You can give me some shouts and amens today, just so you know. I know it's a little quiet, but feel free to, to lean into that. Um, comparison is the death of comp- contentment. I mean, I'm super content until I see so-and-so. And then I see what they're doing. And I'm like, oh, I think maybe I should be doing that. Now I feel a little bit worse about myself. The fastest way to kill something special is to compare it to something else. And my friends, you know this. It's never been easier in the history of the world to compare ourselves to other people. Now, to be fair, it's always been a temptation for humans to compare. It's always been a temptation for humans to to envy. But since the dawn of social media, now we have like the crack cocaine version. Because now, well, like we're just looking around, okay? And you're looking at this person, and you're looking at this person. We're, we're swiping up and down and seeing what everybody's doing. And we feel real good about ourselves until we see them, okay? So I felt really great about my staycation till I saw your vacation in the Bahamas, right? <laughs> I felt pretty good about the, some of the food that I was eating until I see the stuff that you eat, hashtag clean living, Right? <laughs> I feel real great about like, you know, my marriage, we've been through some challenges, but we got through. But then I see Schmoopy one and Schmoopy two who are like married for 20 years and all their posts are of them kissing and holding hands on the beach. And I'm like, I guess I can't really keep up. Maybe you felt great about your dating life. You're like, no, it's going pretty good. And then you see sister so-and-so and she's posting these five different romantic dates and you're looking down at your empty bottle of Ben and Jerry's and you're like, man, now I'm coveting because... I thought I was doing okay, and now it turns out that I'm not. Maybe for you, like you felt really great about your kid. Like, man, they're walking at 12 months. Hallelujah. And then you look across the street, you see their social media account, and their little 12, you're, you know, uh, 10-month-old is riding a bike already. And you're like, <laughs> I can't win, man. No matter, no matter what we're doing right, somebody else is doing better 
than we are. Someone is doing it better. Someone is doing it more skilled. Maybe you felt so great about, man, your brand new house. It's a little modest, but you're really loving it. And then you see your cousin who, you know, they just moved into a house. It looks like it was designed by Chip and Joanna Gaines. And now you have no peace. Now you have no contentment because nobody can just be happy with what we have because we see everybody else in the world and what they're doing. I think this wasn't even really a problem that much, at least for me, you know, I grew up in, in an era before social media. And so, dude, I mean, we just didn't know what everyone was doing. You, know, you kind of knew maybe a little bit. You knew some classmates. You knew, you know, somebody somewhere. You know, you'd hear about it. Maybe years later, you see the pictures or whatever. But now you see it up to the minute. You know exactly what everybody's doing and how much and how much better it is than what you're doing. And it can create feelings of envy, of comparison, of jealousy. And here's what we find out. We always just want a little bit more. So Pastor Andy Stanley, he's a better pastor than I am. And he preached this message called The Land of Ur. And what he talks about in this message on envy, and he says, you know, everybody's really satisfied with what they have if they just had a little more, if they just had that Ur, <laughs> okay? So man, I like that you're nice. I just wanna be a little bit nicer. I like that you're skinny. I just wanna be a little skinnier than you. Because if I'm skinnier than you, I feel better about myself. I want to go, I'm glad that you go to those nice places. If I could just go to a few better places than you are, then I'd finally feel good about myself. Man, I love that you've got a great relationship. I just want my relationship to be better than yours. I want to be smarter than you. I want to be um, more uh, faster than you. I want to have a bigger church than you. I want to be a part of better parties than you. I want to go better places than you will go. We're all in the land of her. Am I the only one being honest here today? Like anyone else struggle with this? Y'all are real quiet. You're like, man, this poor pastor. Yeah, he really struggles. <laughs> hey, what about the rest of us, man? I mean, some of you, like you want to be, you don't want to be funny you want to be funnier. You don't want to just be a hipster. You want to be a hipsterer than the other hipsters in your hipster circle. My friends, and some of us are so jacked up, like we're not even content with er. We want est. Okay, so I'm not really going to be happy. I'm even, you know, that's great that you're er, but I want to be est. I want to be the happy est. I want to be the great est. I want to be the healthy est. I want to have the best job. I want you know, you can do whatever you're going to do. As long as I'm just a little bit better than you, then I can feel better about myself. And I don't have to think that anything's wrong with me. I'm glad that you got tweeted, retweeted, but I want to be the retweeted ass person that anyone's ever known. <laughs> like that's what I, I want to do. And what are we doing? We're looking back and forth. We're scrolling up and down. And we've got this thing called obsessive comparison disorder. We're all comparing to one another. I can't really feel okay. And that's the question we're asking ourselves often when we're looking at other people's stuff. If it's online or even in person, we're like, well, that's what they're doing. Am I okay? Like, that's how their marriage goes. Is my marriage okay? That's how their kids are. Are my kids okay? Hey, that's what their organization can do. Is my organization okay? Hey, that's what their team does. Is my team okay? This is the kind of grades they're getting. Are my grades okay? And we're always just asking, am I okay? Like compared to everybody else, how am I doing? And you might say, Carter, I'm not even on social media, so I don't, like this isn't relevant to me. You might not have the crack cocaine version, but <laughs> my friends, we all do this, okay? It's, it's, it's human to envy. It's human to look around at your peer group and measure yourself and measure how you're doing compared to everybody else. And where, where we get really jacked up is when we begin to err our kids, okay? You wanna mess up a kid? Start, start holding them accountable to be smarter. 
and athletic-er and skinny-er, all the ers that you kind of want them to be and you just randomly picked for them, man, that'll mess us up. Or, or maybe, you know, you realize a little bit too late, okay, now I finally have that boyfriend. Now I finally have that girlfriend. Now I finally have that spouse and I'm starting to err them. Like they were really good at first, but then I saw some other people online. I saw what they were doing. I kind of learned some of, their, some of their failures and some of the places they're not all that. I'm like, man, I wish that you were a little bit smarter or godlier or spiritualer or, or um, you know, healthier, whatever their er that you wish they were that you picked for them. Now you're a little bit dissatisfied. Now you're comparing everything. You got that OCD for people in your life. And of course it's driving them bananas and nobody has any peace in the house because everybody wants something that they don't have instead of just enjoying what they do have. Can I get a witness from anybody? Here's what it does, man. See, comparison is the death of contentment. I was fine. I was content. And still I started to see everybody else and it steals our joy. It steals all the happiness that we could have, that we should have, that is ours to have because it steals from us. We, and it heightens our insecurities. We just begin to question, I guess, well, I guess I'm not good then. I guess I made all the stupid decisions. I guess I made the wrong turn here because they've got that and they've got that and I don't have that. And so that means I'm bad. See, some of us, we graduate from not just wishing we had better, we start to persecute ourselves because we're not enough. And so we embrace this thing, this like self-hate thing where we're saying, man, you really jacked that up, didn't you? And now you'll never be a part of those parties. You'll never get into those restaurants. You'll never be a part of those kinds of schools because you just don't measure up. You don't have enough. And we begin to, begin to pile loathing and hatred on ourselves because of what we're not. You're not skinny like she is. You don't have that kind of body type. You don't have access to those kinds of resources. You can't wave your wand and suddenly all these great things happen. Hashtag blessed life. Like you don't get all that stuff. And so now you're like mad at yourself. Now you're stewing on this thing. And my friends, it leads to this doom loop of failure. And it's all it does is reinforcing everything that's wrong with us instead of enjoying what's great about life. There was a, a study done at the University of Copenhagen with a thousand young adults. And so they took these young adults and they split them in half and they said, okay, this half, you're gonna be off social media for a week and the rest of you just go on normally what, like what you do. And they found after one week that just being off social media, it reduced people's anger, it reduced people's depression, it reduced people's sadness, it reduced people's loneliness significantly. I mean, and that, that was with like young adults. Imagine what it's doing to middle schoolers if they've got all that trauma that they're going through on a weekly basis. This is why people are so angry. You're like, why are people so angry on Facebook or Twitter? Um, well, it seems like part of it is because they're on Facebook and Twitter. <laughs> like that's, it's causing it to happen. It's reinforcing, it's the doom loop, man. It just keeps on happening. It reinforces self-hate and even brings out something even more insidious inside of us. Have you ever had one of those moments where you have somebody that you're a little bit envious, maybe you haven't admitted this to your heart, but you see them fail and you feel a little good about yourself? Like you see her look nasty and you're like, praise God. Anybody do that, right? You're like, well, my life isn't so bad because they're horrible. And like you have this little mini party. If you ever wondered if humans were really sinful, check out that phenomena and you'll recognize, oh dude, this is how, this is how wacky we are. Um, hey, but here's, here's the worst part. It's that it's sin, 
Sin is this really bad thing. You remember what sin is? Sin causes humans to suffer. Sin is a breach in our relationship with God. It puts a wall up. That's why we're separated from God to begin with is because we choose to walk in sin. Sin causes us to suffer and that's what God didn't want to happen. Not only does it cause us to have a, a like a, a, a distance between us and the Lord, but it causes distance between ourselves. This is what happens with envy. This is what happens with con- comparison. And there's no win in comparison. That's what Andy Stanley said. There's no win in comparison. Comparison is sin. Comparison is that thing that causes us to evaluate ourselves by one another. And comparison will jack up our lives. You know this. I mean, you've experienced places where your life was hijacked just because of comparison. Like some of us have gone into debt because we took trips we shouldn't have taken because someone else was doing it. Like we started to, to buy all kinds of things that someone else had and we felt like we had to have it. And this comparison dragged us into these places we never should have gone. This is why we make our families insane sometimes because we don't have any money left because we spent it all on stuff that we were comparing ourselves about. And we just decided we have to have that too. We have to post that too. Here's the, here's the, the horrific thing about comparison. It either makes us feel superior or inferior. And neither one of those things honors God. It doesn't honor God when I feel superior to others. And it really doesn't honor God when I feel inferior to others. It doesn't matter um, that they have more likes. It doesn't matter that they have more tweets. It doesn't matter that they have more Instagram hearts. If it's just messing me up, here's the thing. It's toxic to our souls. God tried to warn us about this back in the 10 commandments. Let's check it out. Exodus 20, 17. Do not want anything that belongs to someone else. Don't want anyone's house or wife or husband, or slaves, or oxen, or donkeys. That one gets me. Anyone else covet other people's donkeys? I'm just driving by a farm and I'm like, dang. It takes me out every time. Or anything else, or their house, or their career, or their relationships, or whatever they went to, or whatever they're trying to show you is really cool, even though you're not seeing all the tears in their life. You're not seeing all the times that are really, really bad. You're not seeing the stuff where they're like trying to just hang on to Jesus and get through. We're not seeing that part. And yet we're comparing ourselves and, and it, it's toxic to our souls. Proverbs 14, 30. You wanna ask a guy who would know. This is King Solomon. He was the errest guy there ever was, okay? He was smarter, wiser, had more moneyer than you will ever have, okay? Wisest man on earth. He's done it all. He's built houses and parks and temples and all kinds of stuff that he's built. And he's like, I was on the search for Ur. Let's try to get more. And it didn't satisfy. Instead, what it did, verse 30, a tranquil heart gives life to the flesh, but envy makes the bones rot, Envy decomposes something in our soul. It changes us into a different creature than we were when we're always comparing, when we're always envying. And God says, I don't want you guys to go there. You're more than that. I love the way the Bible just shoots straight about stuff. I love the way the Bible talks about humans and how we like really are. See, I would be speculative of the Bible if everyone was like good. If everyone was like doing godly stuff all the time, that's totally, if you know this, if you read the Bible, that's the opposite of what's happening in the Bible. Like everyone's full of pride. Everyone's horribly wicked. Um, everyone's boasting, except for Jesus. Like everyone else is jacked up. And that's obviously the point. Like everybody needs Jesus. But one of, the, one of my favorite places that happens is this interaction that I see between John and Peter. Okay, so these are two apostles. Remember, these are Jesus' disciples. And they're not just part of like the 12, they're part of the inner circle. They're part of the inner three. 
And I'm, you know, I'm sure they're great guys, but I just want you to notice some stuff. As we read from the gospel of John, okay, that's John's testimony about the life of Jesus. I just want you to notice some places where it seems like, man, are you guys comparing? Is there a competition thing going on? I don't think I'm reading into this. I think if we look at this, you're gonna see that this is true. Now, something you gotta know about John, okay? John was, he wrote like in the third person, okay? So he would refer to himself as the disciple that Jesus loved. And I don't know about you, but that's a little diva-y, isn't it? I mean, come on. Like Jesus loves all the disciples. And yet he's like, I'm the, you know, I'm just humble. I'm just the disciple that Jesus loved, Okay. It's like Moses writing that he's the humblest man in all the earth. I'm like, Moses, if you write it down for all generations to know, is it still humble? I don't know. But this is what John is doing. So he's, he's writing down, yes, like I'm the disciple Jesus loved. And he's gonna talk about this really important moment, okay? Super important moment, Easter morning. Okay, we're gonna talk about this pretty soon. Easter morning, okay, and so Mary Magdalene, like she's the first one, she goes to the tomb, she wants this, you know, she's, she's going to visit Jesus' grave, but lo and behold, surprise, the stone's rolled away. Okay, like Jesus isn't there, there's a towel, there's a linen sheet folded up there on the stone. Okay, so she's freaked out, she runs back to see the, the disciples, she tells Peter and John, and so they start off, they're like, man, we gotta race, we gotta get over there, they're gonna check out the tomb. Listen to what it says here in John 20, verse two. I just want you to notice some of the extra information that you'd be surprised is in here. Okay, so verse two, she ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. She said, they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb and we don't know where they've put him. Peter and the other disciples started out for the tomb. The other disciple is John, okay? They were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter (laughs) and reached the tomb first. I'm like, Dude, this is the resurrection of Jesus. Like, this is a huge, important moment, not only in the Bible, but in all of world history. And like, yeah, we're gonna see Jesus rise from the dead. And just so we're clear, I outran Peter. I want everyone to know, okay? <laughs> Recorded, ever, all generations will see it, all right? Verse five, he stooped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. Verse six, then Simon Peter, who was behind him? Are we clear? <laughs> I need every, the story, this is what happened. Peter was behind him in case, I don't want this, you know, out of order here. Arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there. Verse eight, then the disciple who had reached the tomb first, he's not even like the one who Jesus loves in this moment. He's like, I just, I was there first, okay? Please, please, it wasn't Peter, all right? Also went in and he saw and he believed. Am I tripping, dude? Like, it seems like he's really insistent on, you need to know who won, because what, I don't know, is, is it comparison going on? I don't know, let's, let's explore a little bit more. So a little time goes by, all right? Jesus is risen from the dead, everybody knows about it. And Peter's like, man, I still feel bad because he and Jesus haven't really connected. Remember, Peter denied Christ, okay? And so, yes, Jesus rose from the dead, but now like they haven't talked about it. Peter hasn't really been restored or anything. So he's like, I'm going fishing. He takes all the guys fishing. They're, they're out doing the things they used to do before Jesus. Jesus comes and finds them, brings them back on in. You know, they catch a big haul of fish and they cook some fish, have some breakfast. Jesus brings Peter off to the side. Hey, hey, come on over here. Let me restore you. Hey, Peter, I know you deny me three times. Let me ask you if you love me three times. <laughs> Peter says, yes. Okay, okay, Peter, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you this really important, awesome job. I want you to feed my lambs. Doesn't that sound like really deep, really spiritual, really important, like a really big deal for the rest of your life, Peter. Here's your assignment. I mean, I just restored you. Don't you feel great? Like, isn't this a tremendous moment that we're having right now? 
And then verse 20, and Peter turned around and saw behind him the disciple Jesus loved. Verse 21, Peter asked Jesus, what about him, Lord? And I'm like, who can, why are you asking about John? Dude, you're like in your moment right now. And yet, well, he can't thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Who is this? What about this guy though? Like, what's he doing? What's his assignment? God, I know mine, but I want to know how I compare. I want to know, here's my work, but what about his work? Because I want to know who's your real favorite, Jesus. Like what, what's going on here? And Jesus replied, verse 22, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? As for you, follow me. And I wonder if God would say that to some of us. Hey, listen, whoever gets in your brain somehow, what is that to you? You follow me. Forget about their assignment. I've given you your assignment. That's what you need to look at. That's what you need to focus on. Forget about, their, they're, they're a distraction right now. I know you feel a little bit of competition. I know you feel a little bit of comparison. Chuck that, man. You get your eyes on the assignment that I've given you. And here's the reality we gotta get down, my friends. We will never fulfill our calling if we're always looking over our shoulder at what John is doing or what they're doing or what they're doing, or what they're doing. It doesn't matter what they're doing. You have your orders. You have things that you're supposed to do. Peter, you're supposed to feed my lambs. So this happens a little bit from time to time in the Carter household, right? So I've got five kids. And of course, they're different ages. So they're, they're gaining responsibilities at different times, you know, um, one sixteen. So they get the license and they get the MacBook and, and they just all get different things at different times. But it's not only just different things at different times, they have different gifts. And so Kenzie and I will try to draw different gifts out of different ones because they seem to be gifted in this. We're gonna invest in this area and this one's gifted at this. We're gonna invest a little bit here and then we'll invest a little bit more because they'll get a little bit older. And we have a conversation around the dinner table from time to time of, hey, I know something great just happened for that sister. Celebrate that with her, but don't get your eyes off of what you're supposed to do because God will get everybody what they're supposed to get in the right time. Don't worry about what they're doing. Don't get jealous. You just have confidence that Jesus gets you what is yours. I think we need to say that together. Jesus gets me what's mine. Jesus gets me what's mine. I don't need to look over there. I don't need to look what she's doing. I don't need to understand what he's doing, all right? I know that Jesus gets me what's mine as I give myself to worrying about my work and not somebody else's. See, if we need the approval of anyone more than Jesus, my friends, we're gonna be empty. All we really need is to know that Jesus approves of us. See, there's, there's, there's this ache, there's this emptiness, there's this Jesus-shaped hole in every one of us that can never be filled by any applause on the outside. I mean, you think about social media, that's, that's what a lot of that is, it's applause. That's what a like is, that's what an Instagram heart is, that's what a retweet is, it's a little, well done, good thought. Like, that's what that is. And what we're saying is that, hey man, none of that will ever fill the Jesus-shaped hole. You long for your father, your heavenly father's affirmation and delight. Now, next week, we're gonna talk about how to access that because it's really available to everybody. If you're a Christian, you, you have it already. You just don't maybe know how to walk in the reality of it. But it's always available to us. But we need to walk in that instead of looking for the applause around us. Why? Because there's no win in comparison, that's not how it works. What are we saying? There'll never be enough money. 
You'll never get enough attention. You'll never have a cool enough house. You'll never go on a cool enough vacation. You'll never be part of a great enough party. You'll never have cool enough friends that everyone will applaud you in such a way that, oh, now I feel filled up. Now I feel affirmed. Now that Jesus-sized hole in me is gone. You'll never be popular enough. You'll never be successful enough. You'll never have the right business. None of that will ever happen. It doesn't matter how many likes you get. It doesn't matter how many people say, yes, good human. It will never happen. It doesn't work that way. Only the affirmation of our heavenly father can do that. There will never come a moment. And some of us, we've been living for this. You're living for the applause of maybe a father that's already passed away. You're living for the applause of a mother that you're never going to get. You want your mother-in-law to finally say, yes, I approve. And it's never going to happen. And so we walk around and we're asking, we're asking people on social media, we're asking people in our circles, am I finally enough? Am I cool enough now? Did I achieve enough? Am I finally successful enough? Will you affirm me now? Is this good enough for you? And the answer is no. It will never be good enough because the ache in you is too big. Jesus designed that hole to be filled by only him. And we don't get it by earning his his favor. His favor is a free gift that he gives to us in Christ. We just receive his love and mercy and forgiveness. But his affirmation is the only thing that can finally solve the problem we have in our hearts. So what do we do? We focus on, Lord, I know that I'm already right with you by grace through faith. And I'm just gonna focus on your agenda, on keeping you happy, on running the race that you have for me and not worrying about anybody else. I'm not gonna worry about keeping people happy. I'm not gonna worry about people pleasing because that's the wrong direction for my soul. And it will lead me to this, this game of comparison where all I do is get in this doom loop of comparison and not feeling enough. And then I try to feel better and people don't like it enough. And then I feel worse again. That's how it works. So the writer of Hebrews in chapter 11 has been talking about this great thing called the hall of faith. Some of you are familiar with this, remember this? He goes down through the centuries and he names all these people like Abraham and Rahab and David. He's like, they were faithful in their time. Like they believed God and they saw God move powerfully on their, on their behalf. And they didn't always like get what they wanted. Sometimes it wasn't like what we would consider awesome, but they had different stories and they were faithful to run their own race. And then he picks up in, verse, in chapter 12, verse one. Let's read it together. Therefore, so because all these people were faithful, since we're surrounded by a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, he says, in, in, in one sense, they're even like applauding you from heaven. Like they know it's your turn and you're running your race. And they're like, yes, go, 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 believe. He says, let's do this. Let's strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And I was talking about sin in general, but let's pick a sin. Let's talk about the sin of comparison. He says, man, it slows you down. It's tripping you up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. The race that God has set before us, not John's race, not Peter's race, not Mary or Martha's race, not anybody else's race. God has set before us a race and we're to run that race with endurance and we need to rip off and rend from ourselves all notions of comparison because it's a distraction. It's keeping us from our eyes being on the prize of where we're supposed to go. Do you realize that there's a race for you that's different than anybody else? Do you, do you understand that there's a mission for you It's different from everybody. There's a lane for you. And here's the good news, bad news. The good news is you're the only one who can win it. 
Like nobody can win your race, dude. You alone can win your race. Now here's the bad part. You can't win anybody else's race other than your own. So if you're racing somebody else, if you're like wishing you had their life, if you're trying to do their things, I'm sorry, you lose. You can't win that race. That is their race. They get to run that race. But as for you, you can only win your own race. So what do we do? We embrace the fact that God has a purpose for us. We're gonna run our own race and we strip off that which slows us down. We strip it off. We get rid of this comparison, man. Any place we can find comparison, if we can reduce that thing, we're gonna try to do that because all it's gonna do is lead toward discontentedness. So I'm gonna give us a challenge this week, especially for those of you who maybe social media type things are a little bit too important to you. Maybe just a little bit. Maybe it's doing the things that we talked about at the front of the message. Maybe it's getting you all discombobulated. Maybe it's causing you to, to walk in a little bit more depression, a little bit more comparing. I'm gonna challenge, every, I'm gonna, I'll say it this way. I'm gonna invite everyone who wants to participate into a week long social media fast. So here's what, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna put on my social media accounts later today, I'm gonna put this, this image, I'm taking a break. And that's not so people compare themselves to me. That would be backwards. But that's just for me. That's just to let everyone know, hey man, I'm gonna be gone for a little while. And then I'm gonna come back next week and you're welcome to pull that image off my Facebook account or, or the Torch of Faith pages that you can find. You can pull those right off and use them. And it's just, it's, it's really, dude, it's to kill that thing that wants applause from other people, that needs to be in the know about what everyone else is doing. I'm saying, no, I've got my own race and I need to run my own race and I'm not gonna worry about anybody else. And then when you come back, I'm gonna challenge you to reduce. If you spend like a, quite a bit of time on, some of you like, I'll ask, hey man, what's your biggest problem? Like, well, I'm always scrolling. Like I'm, I'm spending too much time on, on social media. If that is you, give yourself a limit. Like the Lord wants us to embrace limits, man. Give yourself, hey, I'm, I'm only gonna be on social media half an hour a day. And, and lo and behold, we are now so technologically advanced that you can give yourself a limit. Like you can just set your phone, you can go in, in your little settings there and you can just say, after 30 minutes, it's gonna kick me off Facebook. Like you can just do that on your screen time. At least if you have an iPhone, I don't know about you Android people. <laughs> you, you're probably good, I'm hoping, it's 2019. Um, <laughs> But I'm gonna challenge us to do that. Why? So that we strip off that which slows us down. Because there's people that you're gonna see and you get a little bit too preoccupied with their race. You don't need to worry about their race. You get on your race. If that's a distraction to you, if that's uh, holding you back from running your race, then you need to strip it off and you need to keep on. Strip off and keep on. Strip off, keep on. Strip off, keep on. Keep our eyes on Jesus. What did it say? We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Keep our eyes on Jesus. We say, hey, John, I don't care what your race is. I care about you, but I don't care what your race is. I need to do my own race. Hey, Peter, I don't care about your race. I need to do my own race. And we ask Jesus, Lord, would you show me that which is a distraction to me? Show me the races that aren't mine. Like, give me a little eh by the Holy Spirit. When I'm looking at somebody else's race, I'm like, oh, that'd be nice. No. See what she's doing? That's not, that's not your race. Applaud that, you know, give her five, but that's not your race. You do what God's calling you to do. And sometimes we just need, in prayer, we need discernment from the spirit. That's not your race. Don't worry about that thing. Um, horses wear blinders. You guys know this, when they're, when they're in some kind of a race or they're trying to get somewhere, they wear blinders because they've got this ginormous peripheral vision. And if horses don't have those blinders on, in the middle of a race, they'll just wander off in the wrong direction. My friends, I think some of us need to ask Jesus for some horse blinders. We need to say, Lord, keep my eyes only on my race. I need to go the right way. 
I wanted to ask an expert on this because I want to make sure I was right. So I asked Katie Yee about this. She's, she's the only track and field star I know, but for those of you who are familiar with track, you know that, man, when you're running a race, it doesn't really do you any good once, you know, once that whistle blows and you're running to start to look at other people and say, man, she got nice shoes. I like her hair. That's nice. Or man, he sweats weird. Like you're not thinking about any of that. All you're thinking about is go, go, go. Eyes on the prize, straightforward. You stay in your own lane and you get there fast. That is your win. You win your race. You can't, if you worry about anybody else's race, you are going to lose the race. My friends, we got to focus on our own race. And sometimes that means we have to ask Jesus to show us what is not my race. What am I just spending way too much, investing way too much emotional and mental energy in that is not for me? Because nobody can beat you at your race, but you can't win anybody else's. Nobody can beat you at your race, but you can't win anybody else's. Can I tell you about my race? A little bit about it. So um, people in, in roles like mine, one of the things that we're tempted, uh, other races that we're tempted to look at, we're tempted to look at other ministry people. I know this sounds weird. You got your world, your world's a little different than mine, but my, in my world, you're tempted to look at other people who are like, man, they're already like, they're on TV and they're doing like ministry stuff to all these people. Or maybe they're younger than me and they've got all this influence. And what I need to do intentionally, even as I'm on Facebook and social media, I see these great things going on around the world. I need to say, hey, man, that's great. Praise God for that. I need to stay in my lane. God has given me my race to win and I can't win anybody else's race. And so over the years, I've just asked the Lord, show me what my race is. And here's what he's shown me. Here's the first and foremost one. It is, I'm the only one who can be a rock star husband to my wife and a rock star father to my kids. Nobody else can do it. And if, no, if I don't do it, no one's gonna do it. I'm the only one who can win that race. And if I don't win it there, I don't win the race. I've got to win it. That's part of my race. I've got to be an awesome husband and an awesome dad to, to, to the best of my ability with the, the measures that God has given me. Here's another thing that I've got to do. I've got to teach God's word. Like I'm supposed to, my purpose on this planet is to help people understand the word of God so they can get closer to Jesus Christ. Whatever I'm doing, it's not even necessarily in like a pulpit ministry. It's anywhere. In any relationship, I've got to say, this is what this says. And this is how it can help people. And number three, it's not related to ministry. It's not related to anything else. My purpose, my race, I'm to walk humbly with my God. I'm going to walk before my King Jesus. I'm to get as tight with him as I possibly can in the integrity of my heart. I'm, I'm trying to not get taken out of the race early through some stupid moral failure or something like that. I need to walk with Jesus and be close to him and love him just for him, not for anybody else. I want to be so close to Jesus that Elijah is jealous because when I go to heaven, man, it's just like I'm walking in two worlds and Jesus just holds me and pulls me over to the other one and, and you barely even notice it. It's just a little bit more intense. I know that Elijah wouldn't really be jealous because that would mean he would be comparing and he's probably not comparing <laughs> right now. But that's my race. My question is, what's your race? What are you supposed to be doing? What are you doing on this planet, man? I'll bet you it has something to do with loving God preeminently before anything else. I bet it has something to do with obeying him. I bet it has something to do with, with your family members, loving them with all of your measures. It has something to do with expanding the kingdom of God, but it also has something very particular to do with your gift mix, the way God made you, the way your mind works, the way your personality manifests his awesomeness and beauty. It has something to do with that. And here's the reality. Nobody else can do it. You have a purpose. You have a lane. You have a race. Nobody else can win it. Only you can do it. And if you don't do it, no one's gonna do it because you're the only one who can. My friends, maybe you're not supposed to have like the most incredible business in the history of the universe. Maybe you're just supposed to have a modest one that's full of integrity. 
okay? Like maybe you're not supposed to be world famous. Maybe you're just supposed to go and serve at that youth group and, and invest in those kids and make them feel the love and the smile of Jesus, Maybe you're not supposed to have everything that everybody else has that you can find somewhere on the planet. Maybe you're supposed to be content and give God glory and praise and give yourself to the work that he's put in front of you. And you're supposed to do it with an excellent attitude, with a great big smile and say, Jesus has changed my world. And this is my, this is my lane. This is where I am right now in my life. And I'm gonna run it for all that I'm worth. And here's the good news. Nobody can beat you. But the fastest way to kill something special is to compare it with somebody else. So can I just challenge us and exhort us? Dude, comparison kills. Like comparison will take us out. Comparison will kill all the special things that are inside of you that God wants you to do. So what do we do? Number one, we look for our affirmation and our worth and value in Christ. We're gonna talk about that next week. So make sure you come back and bring a friend. We also, some of us, we're gonna take a social media break a little fast and then come, when we come back, we're gonna reduce the time that we spend on social media. Not because social media is evil, but because comparison kills. Because comparison messes with us and we wanna reduce its power. And then we're going to ask Jesus, Jesus, would you show us places we need blinders because the truth is we're too susceptible to coveting the things that other people have. Does that sound like a deal? Here's why we're gonna do it. Because comparison is the death of contentment and we need plenty of contentment. Church, we're gonna leave the land of Ur and we're gonna start it right now. Can we bow our heads? Lord, I know there's some people that are watching right now, that are listening right now, that are in this room right now and they're like me. They don't always win this thing. We get off track. We get our eyes on other people's races. We try to be all things to all people instead of the very specific things you've called us to be to you. And so Lord, we pray for those three things. First, we pray as a people that we would have a greater revelation and understanding of our worth in Christ. We also pray, Lord, that you would reduce the power of comparison in our lives, helping us to shut down those things that uh, fester it and feed it. And then finally, Lord, we pray with your help, God, that you would help us to locate those places where we need blinders, where we're paying too much attention to what everybody else is doing. God, help us to run our race. In Christ's name, amen. Hey, thank you so much for joining us today. If you don't have a home church and you're looking for a Bible preaching community that has its heart set on passionately knowing Jesus and being his witness in our generation, check out Fierce.Church. We'd love for you to join us either digitally or in person. Also, if you're looking for leadership development related content, don't forget to check out the Fierce Leadership Podcast available wherever you get your podcast from. Special thanks to those of you who give generously to support this ministry. It's because of you that this is possible. You can click on the link in the description to give now or visit fierce.church for more information. If you enjoyed this podcast, why not subscribe, share it with your friends, click on the share button, take a screenshot, and share it on social media or wherever you would share such things. Whatever challenges you're facing, I know you can make it. Don't give up. Hang on to Jesus. He won't let go of you. Jesus loves you so much, and we love you. I hope someday we get to meet in person. Thanks again for listening.